Hey there. Welcome to 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. I'm Lindsay, and I'm joined by my co-host and real-life partner, Carling. We're diving into the 90s hit drama through today's lens. Get ready for our off-the-cuff commentary and peeling back the layers of the Camden family. We'll tackle everything from family rules, life lessons, and 90s fashion. Join us every week for a light-hearted queer perspective and a trip down memory lane. Whether you're a die-hard fan or new to the show, this recap is for you. So find us anywhere you get your podcasts at 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. I think we are slowly, now that we have answers, we're both slowly starting to come out of panic mode and work on finding our new normal. together. Michelle. Yes, Carla. <laughs> Hi. Hey. Hey yourself. <laughs> it's a super moon. It's a super mood is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if, I don't know the details, but I've been told it's a super full moon. Super full moon. Super full. <laughs> something, some TikTok told me it had something to do with Scorpio and Taurus. We're going to have to put our crystals on the lawn and let yes. them go into the moonlight. Charge, moon charge in the moon. And. And then that means that everyone's going to be grumpy and our kids are going to be moody AF. We're moody as AF. We are as moody. AF. We are moody as AFers. <laughs> Moody as a mother. <laughs> yeah. So I woke up and like, chose violence. Unable to... <laughs> I... No, sorry. You woke up and chose anxiety. I woke up feeling anxious. I had to take my inhaler. Yeah. Uh, Lindy said she was fighting off like a panic attack. God. Lindsay said her um, anxiety was pretty bad. Your anxiety is through the roof. Yeah. You know what didn't make my anxiety better? <laughs> Me? <laughs> yeah. Me showing up? Me? Well, okay. You were already really, like, Amped hyper up. because yeah. you had your inhaler and that and made coffee. you really shaky and you had coffee. And you had just gone and finished looking at your new place. Yeah. It was, like, a whole thing. My kids were all over the place. Crazy loud. In my way. Yeah. That was stressing me out. Yeah. And then, yeah, you were just like, okay, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> So then I was like, I need to take some CBD yeah. to calm okay. the F train down. <laughs> and my CBD is usually the dropper. Yeah. But this time it was... Like you uh, squeeze it into a little dropper bottle and yeah. then squeeze it into your mouth. This time it was just like a... It just like drops onto your tongue. Yeah. Like almost like an essential oils yeah. bottle where it's just the hole and you got to shake it to get it out. Yes. And so as I'm trying to <laughs> drop them onto my tongue and count the amount of drops, you're asking me... Do you want to use these black headphones? Are these white head headphones broken? Do you want to use the black ones instead? What what's wrong with the white ones? And I'm like, could you please shut up? Because <laughs> I am trying, yeah, to calm myself, but this is not helping. So sorry. <laughs> I don't know. It's a super moon. It's fine. It is a super moon, and I'm tired. And as I yawn. Oh. I went this so so I think we said last weekend that I'm moving into my subterranean villa. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing that next Saturday or this upcoming Saturday. Yeah. So exciting. Is it? 
It is. It's going to be good. Yeah. So I just wanted to go there again this morning with my two dogs. Yeah. Two of my dogs. And see it again and just, like, make sure the dogs were good. And um, Lindy came with me to make sure, because she's going to help me move along with you next Saturday. Oh, what? If anybody's listening and wants to help out, I'll give you the address. Uh, and, yeah, so I went this morning, and it was better. I feel more excited. I feel less trepidatious. Okay, good, good. I don't know that exciting seems too big of a word. Yeah, that's fine. But I feel less trepidatious about moving. Yeah, I think the that's The windows good. are a little bigger than I remember. The space is really lovely. The dogs did great. I think it's always hard, like, the first time around to see it because you can't really take it all in and remember, you know, I know when I came to see this place that I'm in right now, it was, it was hard because people were here, so I didn't really, like, look very well. So then taking that second look was much better to be like, okay, yeah. So awkward. So awkward. I have been in that situation so many times. Yeah. I think if you're going to go look at a place... Get out. Yeah. That's my message. Like, get out. Yeah. I have gone to a place where the woman was there and would not stop talking to us and was talking about, I mean, everything under the sun. We also went to a place where as soon as we walked in, there was a guy on the couch watching cartoons and he was definitely naked, like under his blanket. Mm -hmm. And he wouldn't get up because he was definitely naked. naked. Yeah. (laughs) I've just been in that situation so many times where, like, I have gone to so many house showings where people are still there. Yeah. And it's awkward every single time. Yeah. Well, I'm an awkward person, and the two landladies were there, but, like, they live there. hmm So they had to let me in. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, I don't know. I started trying to pack last night. And then I almost had a panic attack. Mm. A packing attack. <laughs> Pack attack. Because like, I, don't, I don't want to. I don't want to move. I know. I don't want to split up my stuff. I, I don't want to pack. But anyway. Oh, but I God, made you Lord. a sticker. You Did you? I designed oh, a sticker yeah. just for your subterranean villa. Yeah, my villa. subterranean villa. Yeah, so why don't... Michelle, how was your griefcation? It was terrible I'm kidding. <laughs> it was amazing uh we you have like agreed that i'm gonna do it out? once a month oh mm. <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um no i'm like very <laughs> i need water um okay my grief vacation was very good uh i'm all better no yeah. more grief no nope. you got it all out of your system that's how it works <laughs> that's how it works we're gonna write a book on it there you go Grief vacation is all you need. Yeah. Grief vacation. Um, no, it was great. I was able to, like, do a lot of work, watched a lot of videos, listened to an audio book. Um, I you designed saw a, your therapist. I saw my therapist, which was really good and really hard. Um, but she, she's always like, how much do you want to work today? <laughs> like, how much do you really want me to, I don't know, Yeah, traumatize you? Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the end, she's like, I think we went a little too far oh my <laughs> like, god no it's fine but the thing um is you never want your therapist to say <laughs> right i think we went too far <laughs> like well i'm not paying for this <laughs> <laughs> um no it was really good and i did some self-care i 
I actually didn't really watch that much TV. I mostly just watched videos and listened to podcasts uh, about grief and not about, oh, some about murder, but because, you know, I am, I am me. But Those two things are not mutually exclusive. It's true. <laughs> um, had some snacks. Snacks. Ordered some food. Yeah. I had my favorite uh, faux ha from the town that I live in, and it yeah. was amazing. And then for dinner the next day, I had a fat burger, which was yeah. also amazing. And I designed a bunch of stickers for the podcast. Yeah. Which I'm so excited about. They look so good. Oh. You did a great job. Thank you. I'm so excited to share it with everybody. And everyone can have a sticker that says things like... Where do you even get heroin? Where do you even get heroin? You're gonna... give Give us your Girl Guides cookies. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, basically for those You're just joining us. Life. Yeah, for those just joining us, if you've heard any of our past episodes, we're ridiculous and we say funny things <laughs> and we thought let's turn them into stickers. So Michelle designed some stickers and we're gonna sell them. Yeah. And I'm now creating the website that we're gonna sell them on. And yeah, we'll see how it goes. They should be here soon. I'm very excited. Yeah. You did a good job. Oh, thanks. Um, and you did a good job watching my children and keeping them all alive. Yeah, nobody bled. That's amazing. Almost everyone cried, but... Okay, well, you know. what else is new? Uh, yeah, I was going to say, like, I feel like it wasn't because I did anything yeah. other than, like, uphold rules and set mm-hmm. boundaries. So, mm-hmm. you know, the huge. <laughs> all the stuff they hate. Yeah. <laughs> but it was good. I did, I got them up and to school and daycare and... Fed and bathed and all of the things. Awesome. Amazing. Yeah, it was fun. It was very nice to know that I could be somewhere and that my kids would be fully taken care of. Yeah. And brought to where they need to be brought. And yeah. Yeah. Well, let's do this quarterly. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking it, to save money, you could just go to my subterranean villa. Yeah. For two days. That'd be so fun. Yeah. Except... The Best Western sent me a $50 gift card for my next stay. So if I keep doing this, I'm just going to keep getting yeah. gift cards. Yeah. When do I get a <laughs> Best vacation? Western will sponsor my griefcation. Oh, my God. <gasps> Best Western. What Whoa, is that? What was that? Is that you or me? No, that was you. <laughs> this microphone seems to be extra sensitive. It's very extra sensitive. Are we like... Like, it seems fine. But maybe stop touching it. No, that's the volume. That's not doing anything. Okay, okay, okay. But I will say we are GD loud breathers. There's been a couple of editing. As if, as I said that, they sent me another one. Are you kidding? (laughs) Best Western, you're listening. That is crazy. That is really funny. Wow. You are now registered to get a $25 gift card after each night. Wow. That's pretty good. That's why you got 50 because... There we go. You got two nights. There we go. Um, amazing. Okay. Amazing. Oh, Continue. Amazing. So we... What was I saying? We breathe too loud. <laughs> we do. And we need to like tone down how loud we're mouth and nose breathing. In these episodes, because editing it is annoying, because now it's all I can hear. So, you know what? If you've been hearing it for a while and I just didn't pick up on it, apologies. Uh, apologies, because that I is am mortified. terrible. 
Okay. They were like, well, we would listen to your episodes, but you will not stop breathing. <laughs> Just stop breathing. Okay. Yeah, everything is being picked up right now. Even the cord. I know, we got real sensitive mic. I don't know. But okay, before we get into this episode, let's get started. It's with Abby, who was so nice. Absolutely. And we just want to say a little disclaimer that, um, so the, the subject that we're talking about is um, the result of an accident mm-hmm. and some of her health challenges and having to advocate for diagnosis, diagnoses, diagnoses, um, but for legal reasons, she cannot talk about the accident. Right. It's an ongoing thing. So yeah. that's why I realized after we, when I was editing, we just like loosely keep talking about this accident and that accident, right. but we don't actually say what the accident was. So we just can't talk about it. Okay. And it's like Fight Club. Yeah. <laughs> Not unlike Fight Club. So yeah, if you're listening and you're like, well, what was the accident? You know what? Mind your business <laughs> and just focus on. <laughs> Never mind. Okay. Focus on the story, which is of her developing some health issues and having to really advocate for herself to get a diagnosis. Totally. Anywho. Anywho, doll. Enjoy this episode. All right. Bye. Bye. Hey, Abby. Hi. How are you? I'm doing awesome. How are you guys? Not too bad for a Sunday of a long weekend. Easter Sunday. Yeah. Easter Sunday. <laughs> happy Easter. Yeah. Yes, happy Easter. Too. Did do you get a long weekend? Like, did you get either Friday or Monday off? I'm actually um, not in school right now. Um, I do go to college, but I had to take a bit of time off um, mm-hmm. while I'm trying to get my health under control. So it's been a I. I guess every weekend is a long weekend for me right now. Yeah, well, that's all right. We're really excited to talk to you. We found you on TikTok, like we find a lot of people, but TikTok seems to be the place where people have these like incredible stories and it's such a interesting platform to get your story out and um, yours is connected to a fundraiser, which we're really excited to, to talk about as well. So why don't we just dive right in? Well, my name is Abby. Um, I'm... 20. I'll be 21 in September. Um, I'm from Texas. I live in Dallas. Um, I moved here from Utah, actually. I was born in Utah, um, so we're big nature family. Um, uh-huh. Like I said, I'm in, um, I am in school. I did have to take some time off, you know, for health reasons, but um, I'm hoping and planning to get back to taking classes in the fall. Um, And my goal is to get my bachelor's in psychology and then go to grad school and hopefully do something that's um, in the area of like therapy or counseling. Wow, that's really cool. Have you always wanted to do that? Actually, it's kind of funny. Um, My dream, what I wanted to do for the longest time was, um, you know, before my health issues kind of arose, I wanted to go into the FBI Academy. Oh, um, yeah, because I had an interest. It's kind of along the same lines in the field of psychology. I had an interest and I still do have an interest in, um, 
like criminal behavior and Mm -hmm. why people do the things that they do and how their environment shapes them and their experiences shape them and why they make the choices that they do. Um, Mm -hmm. So that was my original plan, but then I had these health issues kind of arise and I think that kind of takes me out of the the running to be able to go into the academy. So, um, oh wow. That is like right up my alley. Like cr- I don't know, criminology is like so fascinating to me too yeah. and I can't even tell you how many times I've watched Criminal Minds over again. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was I really like that show. Yeah, that was that was the original plan, but then, you oh. know, had to kind of change that one up. That was a hard realization to come to terms with, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're so young, right? Like there, there probably could be a time in your career, your long career that you can do something like that, right? I mean, there is definitely, um, if I still wanted to go into the academy, I could definitely do that, go through the academy and I could always do work for the bureau that doesn't involve going out into the field. Um, so that is something that I've thought about, but, um, right now it's, I'm just focusing on getting my bachelor's done. And then I think once I'm there, I'll kind of formulate my next step. But right now it's like a one day at a time operation. Yes, absolutely. So the video, oh, well, firstly, I wanted to say Michelle and I were just in, were we in Dallas? Yeah, we went to Dallas like uh, in October before the pandemic. So like 2019. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, and the night I got there, I got there the day before Michelle, there was a tornado. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That sounds typical Texas. <laughs> and I was like in a high rise apartment and I was like, what's protocol here? Like, I don't, I've never been in a tornado. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah. We have the sirens near my house. They test them every Wednesday at noon. So every Wednesday at noon, oh. you'll hear this is a test of the emergency warning system. And that's typical Texas. When the sirens go off, we get in the bathtub and that's where we sit and we wait for the sirens to go off. Wow. So did you have any of the snow that happened? Oh Um, yeah. We got hit. January was it? Yeah. We got hit pretty good. Um, What is happening in Texas? I was without power for, I think, about three days. Ooh. Oh, wow. And it was cold, right? It was. Yeah, it was. It was really cold. It was down, like, in the negatives. Um, I actually got pretty lucky in that it didn't get too cold in my house. The temperature hovered right around, like, 63, 65-ish. Oh, wow. So I just put on, like, two pairs of pants and, like, six pairs of socks and just lit keys everywhere. (laughs) And I was like, all right, dog, come here. Let's cuddle for body. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so we found you on TikTok. The video that I first saw that came across our For You page was talking about how you know when you're going to pass out, like, lose consciousness. And it was so interesting. And you, you explained that you've got something called POTS. So I don't know, we're just excited to hear your story. So why don't you just kind of tell us in your words, sort of like what led up to it? And then what does this all mean for you? I actually was not born with any of the health issues that I have now. I never really had too many health issues. And then it was April of 2019. I was in a pretty severe accident. And I sustained some, I basically, I 
went head first into the concrete. Oh, shoot. So I sustained a lot of facial fractures. Like I broke both sides of my nose, my eye socket. Um, I have nerve damage Ooh. in my face. I broke. Oh, no. Well, fractured some parts of my skull. I had brain bleeding um, and I sustained a traumatic brain injury. So I was taken to the hospital. I was in the hospital for about five days. And then I had to go to um, stroke and brain injury rehab. I was there for about two months because after oh, my wow. brain injury, it was like I almost had to relearn how to live again for a while I couldn't remember how to tie my own shoes when I hit my head there were it was almost like there were certain words that just fell out of my head like the first word that I noticed that I just for the life of me could not remember was hourglass which is funny because that's not even something that I use in my everyday vocabulary yeah yeah, yeah I was I was real messed up oh, no. is that called aphasia where you forget some words I don't know that I just think aphasia is just like an inability to speak coherently. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I was told that, you know, I would heal 100%. So that's what we were expecting. And then it was, what was it? Last July. So it was just a year, about a year after the original accident is when I had my first seizure. Oh, um, wow. And then things just went downhill from there. And I noticed all these issues that I was having. So we, you know, started seeing all these doctors and I was diagnosed with epilepsy. And we also were told we had somebody else take a look at my brain scans. And we were told that when I hit my head in the accident that I actually sustained permanent brain damage. Um, <sighs> and then the final diagnosis was the POTS diagnosis, which a lot of people haven't heard of POTS. They call it, I think, what do they call it? They refer to it as like the most common disease you've never heard of. Oh, oh, interesting. So it stands for postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. Yikes. And it's basically, it's a nervous system based disorder where your body can't regulate circulation properly. And a lot of it has to do with like blood vessel dilation. So if I'm standing for too long, um, the blood will start to pool in my feet and my legs and there's not enough blood getting to my head. So I'll pass out. Or if I change postures too quickly, mm -hmm. my body isn't able to regulate quick enough. So that can cause me to faint. It's definitely been an interesting thing to learn how to deal with. And yeah. when you were, so when you were in the stroke and brain rehab were you living there like was it on site no there it well there were some people who were inpatient I wasn't inpatient so the place that I went to it was awesome it was this rehab that it was like an old ranch in the middle of nowhere oh. that they transformed into this rehab facility and they every morning they would have like a driver for the program come and pick me up from my house and I would be in rehab from, I think it was 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. And it was all, I would be doing like brain activities and different things like that. And then at the end of the day, they would take me home. So oh, what wow. was that like? Because you were 18 then? Yes. So you're 18. You Had you started college already? No, I actually, so when the accident happened, it was April. I was supposed to graduate that the very end of May. So I was about a month and a half out from my high school graduation when that accident mm. happened. And we were scared that I wasn't going to be able to graduate. But luckily, I 
was, I had good relationships with all my teachers and everything. And I had really good grades. Like I had like a 3.95 GPA. So my school counselor actually came and saw me when I was in the hospital after the accident. She told me, she was like, I don't want you to worry about anything. She was like, we're just going to freeze your grades as they are right now. And she was like, you're going to be done and you will graduate. Yeah. Oh, wow. And so I... Because that's got to be so stressful. I mean, dealing with this injury and then you obviously worked incredibly hard to get the GPA that you had. And that's pretty amazing that they did that for you. Yeah. And so I graduated while I was still, I was able to walk across the stage and get my diploma. I was, I was still in the middle of doing stroke and brain injury rehab, but I graduated in the middle of rehab. So what was that like going from being like a smart high GPA, almost graduating high school to going to a rehab facility where you're learning to tie your shoes? And like, what were some of the other things you had to relearn? Well, it was just a lot of like with the brain injury that I had, it was my brain would get exhausted really quickly. So I was having to and I had severe, severe memory issues. So a lot of it was just like um, mental activities that were meant to help, I guess, get my brain back to, you know, top notch working order so that I would be able to start college in the fall because I had actually been told, I don't remember how long ago or how far before the accident, but I received a scholarship because I was going to go to community college for the first two years. And I received a scholarship through a local organization and they're going to pay for my tuition, books, everything for the first two years. And then the accident happened and we were worried that they weren't going to let me keep the scholarship because Mm -hmm. like we didn't know how my brain was going to function you know, starting college only a couple months after a severe brain injury. Um, So that was, that was a scary thing. So we focused a lot on that in rehab. I would do a lot of like, they would simulate like college work. They would give me assignments. So it started with like basic memory stuff. Like we would play actually a lot of like memory card games, me and the other people who were there. I was the youngest person there by far. Oh, wow. I bet. The rest of the people that were there were mostly people who had had strokes. So they were like 60 and above. Wow. But it was, it was so cool. They just treated me like I was their grandchild. It was the coolest thing ever. That's kind of cute. That's sweet. Yeah. Oh, I loved them. They were fantastic. But then after, you know, once my brain was able to handle doing more in-depth activities they would give me reading assignments out of like a biology textbook or give me papers to write so it was a lot of just trying to get my brain back to the place that it needed to be to start college in the fall yeah Yeah. so you had said originally that they had told you in the hospital that you would heal 100% and then Mm -hmm. obviously they discovered later that you had some permanent brain damage was that because your brain was still healing and they couldn't really say for sure, like if you would or not, or what kind of happened there, do you think with the... So there was a lot of, I think, neglect on the hospital's part that I went to. Mm -hmm. So the hospital that I was in, obviously I was bleeding into my brain. So they had a neurosurgeon who was on my team and he was, you know, he was just there to fix the immediate But I was actually never referred out to a neurologist to do more in-depth scans, to check for more in-depth injuries. 
Mm-hmm. Oh. So we never knew how extensive my injuries were because we were never wow. referred out. That must be so frustrating because had they caught it sooner, would there have been a better chance of less permanent damage? Probably not because of the certain type of injury that I had. There wouldn't really have been anything we could have done to lessen the damage, but Mm -hmm. we would have at least known the extent from the beginning And we would have, it just, it would have prepared you a little bit better, right? Yeah. I mean, to find out that I actually had way more extensive injuries than we had originally thought to find that out a year later, that was, that was a tough pill to swallow. Absolutely. Okay. So tell us about, you said that you have POTS, right? And you have, Mm -hmm. are now diagnosed with epilepsy. How often does something like that happen? And how do you know that it's about to happen? Like the passing out? Yeah. Yeah. With the epilepsy, I have a type of epilepsy that they call it traumatic epilepsy because it arose from the physical trauma. It's focal epilepsy. So in people that are born with epilepsy, it's general um, and it involves the whole brain. Mine is focal. Mm -hmm. So it only really involves that one part of my brain that I damaged. And in the type of epilepsy that I have, people can sometimes get, they call them auras, which is, they're really hard to describe. It's just like this feeling that you get that you just, you just know that something Mm -hmm. is going to happen. It's, it feels different for everybody. So for me, I get like this tingling sensation in my chest and my stomach. And I get like my body just kind of starts to feel heavy and I can kind of know anywhere from like 10 minutes to like an hour before I'm going to have a seizure. So, and not, not everyone gets that. So I'm really lucky that I do. So that way I'm able to kind of like prepare for it. And the seizures were really frequent at first because I, you know, we didn't know that I had epilepsy, so I wasn't on medications or anything. I mean, there was a day that I had like five seizures in one day. Oh my gosh. And were you just living at home at the time? Yeah. I still, right now I'm at home because I'm doing the community college for the first two years. Um, Mm -hmm. But my seizures are not the big like grand mal ones that everyone thinks of when they think of seizure. The um, mine are called complex partials. So oh, okay. it kind of looks like I just go into like a vegetative state. Like I'm I'm still conscious, but I am just completely limp. And I just have like small muscle twitches kind of everywhere. So they're not super huge and like they're pretty low key. And I don't remember my seizures, which I'm also very thankful for because that oh, wow. suck. Yeah. I eventually did get the medication situation figured out. So now the longest stretch that I've gone without having one is two months. Okay. Wow. wow. Yeah. And is the hope with the right medication that you'll go like indefinitely without a seizure? That is always the goal. But since my epilepsy is not just something that I was born with because it's related to permanent brain damage. It is very unlikely that I will ever stop having seizures. But right now, on average, I would say I have one in a month. And that's generally just because of like my cycle, the hormones can kind of trigger things, throw things off. So it's generally one in a month which honestly, compared to where I was, 
I can deal with that. Yes. Yeah. Does that give you a lot of anxiety? Because to me, it feels like I would feel like I'm like a ticking time bomb. Like, when is the next one? When is it going to be? Where will I be? Mm-hmm. It was like that at first while I was still trying to get the medication situation figured out. Yeah. But, you know, I've been on my medications for a while now and they've become pretty regulated and pretty predictable. So in a way, I'm I'm used to it now and I kind of know when I'm likely to have one. Yeah. So it doesn't freak me out as much as it used to. And it's the same with the fainting because it used to be all the time. And then when I was diagnosed, um, I was put on a medication called a beta blocker, which oh, yeah. helps um, control the heart rate and the blood pressure and all of that. And I do not faint anywhere near as much as I used to. Wow. Wow. And what has it been like for your family? I guess I never even asked. Are your parents still together? No, I, um, it's just me and my mom. I don't have a relationship with my dad. Okay. So what has it been like for your mom? That must be terrifying. Terrifying. (laughs) Yeah. She is, we were kind of both in like panic mode for the first, however long it was while we were trying to figure out everything exactly that was going on because we didn't know Mm -hmm. what was happening. And we were like, oh my God. Am I going to die? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was just like, it was survival mode. And obviously, you know, it scared the living daylights out of her because she doesn't want to watch her kid go through that. Um, No. Yeah. But I think we are slowly, now that we have answers, we're both slowly starting to come out of panic mode and work on finding our new normal. Right. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, she's been my biggest help, my biggest supporter through all of this. I mean, it's pretty much been me and her through this. Oh, have you guys do you think gotten closer because of it? We were honestly, we were already pretty close to begin with. Like Mm -hmm. my, I will tell this to anybody who asks, my mom is my best friend. She always has been. She always will be. I tell her everything. So honestly, I think that we couldn't really get much closer than we already are. And what happened? Did you notice, was there a change in some of your friendships um, when you went through this? Like, did you gain some friends, lose some friends? I did. um, I gained some friends um, just through people who like noticed kind of my content on TikTok or um, Mm -hmm. a really close friend who is a girl that I actually went to middle school with and then lost connection with because we went to different high schools kind of like we forgot each other existed and then mm-hmm. I came across her on Instagram one day and she has some really severe chronic health issues as well and I reached out to her and we reconnected and we're like the best of friends now cuz you know we kind of understand each other yeah we both deal with you know chronic issues um most of my friends have been you know, everyone has lives and everyone has things that they have to deal with. And for a while, it kind of sucked because I just, you know, everyone was doing their thing and I was just focusing on surviving. And people kind of stopped reaching out and it was just, it was really lonely for a while. It was so hard. 
And it was kind of the same with my family. Like I didn't ever really hear from much of my family. So like I said, it was just kind of me and my mom. I think that's really common. And I think that's something like we've both Michelle and I have experienced when we've gone through our traumas is, and I don't think people do it on purpose. I think there's people are sort of like, okay, we're here because something big happened and we're here to support you. And then life kind of carries on. Yeah. And when you're, when you're just removed enough, it's, I think it's natural to sort of not forget but just your life carries on and you don't you don't always remember that somebody might still be Mm -hmm. stuck in the middle of a trauma I think that's a really common theme we hear yeah our own stories and with everybody else's story kind of related to like having a new baby like when you have a brand new baby people are showing up with with the casseroles and the you know coffee and offering to I don't know help you right but as the days and months and years go on you still have this child who you know you go through all these phases with and sometimes they're harder than others everyone has kind of moved on right and it's kind of a natural thing but it is very hard for the people who are still struggling um and still trying to kind of put their lives back together so well and what made it so difficult was for the longest time we didn't have any answers like we went without answers for Mm -hmm. I would say like a good six months like we had no idea what was happening because doctors were just oh they were less than helpful so we, we we just had nothing and what I would get from a lot of people was, oh, it's just probably stress. Oh, it's probably nothing to worry about. You're fine. And I'm over here, you know, blacking out, seizing my heart rates up to 170. And I'm like, people like, yeah, this is, this is real. Like there's something going on here. And at one point, I don't even remember who said this to me, but somebody said, you know, if you had a diagnosis, if you had a name, then maybe people would take it seriously. And I was, that was kind of like a slap in the face. Yeah. It was like, awful. they were like, if you, you know, if you had been diagnosed with cancer, then people would know what, what it was. And then maybe Mm -hmm. they would care. And that was just that, that made me mad. It really, it really shows you some people's uh, true colors, right? Yeah. All of it. And I, I can understand how, how frustrating it would be to know, obviously, that there's something wrong and it's more than just stress. You know, I hear that quite often because I am a widow with five children. So, you know, my <laughs> stress affects my body quite a bit. But then, you know, there's other times where it's like, this isn't just stress. Like when you have an, an injury like you had and then you're struggling with kind of the aftermath of it and trying to figure out what's going on now, you have to advocate for yourself. And and I, I think a lot of us have experienced interactions with doctors where they're like, oh, it's, you know, it's fine. Or to kind of finally find someone who's going to be like, this is what it is. This is a medication you need is just kind of all you're probably looking for, right? It w- I had like no doctors that would help wow. me. Like they would all just brush me off or send me to the next place. I mean, mm-hmm. at one point I had a really bad seizure and I had to go, I had to be taken by ambulance to the hospital and mm-hmm. I'm in the ER actively seizing and this nurse leans over and looks me in the face And she says, you're not having a seizure. Will you calm down? You're fine. And refused (gasps) to give me rescue medication and then released me while my vital signs were still way out of whack and put on my discharge papers that I had a panic attack. Oh my God. 
I mean, doctors would not help me. I mean, I pretty much had to figure out my own diagnoses. Like I, I was so mad and I was so irritated because I was like, no, there's something not right in my body. Mm -hmm. I was like, I can feel it. So I would go on like deep dive, like research expeditions and I would go read all of these medical journals and I would be on all these different like Cleveland Clinic, Mayo Clinic, Johns Hopkins, like doing in-depth research. And with both the epilepsy and the POTS, I was the one who figured out those diagnoses before the doctors even did. I was the one who pushed for the testing. And at first the doctors were like, no, we don't need to do that. That's not what it is. But I had to sit there and I had to fight with people to try to get them to do the right testing. And then the testing came back and they were like, oh yeah, you were right. I was like, huh, oh my God. God. maybe it's like, I know what's going on in my own body. Wow. That must be, I'm like, we joke all the time that I'm like the worst at self-advocating. So like, to me, that is my nightmare having to advocate on my behalf to like fight for a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. That just must've been so frustrating. I had a doctor who, because one of my issues has been, I've dropped a significant amount of weight just out of nowhere, like unintentionally. And I was talking to my doctor and I was like, I've lost so much weight. And I was like, I can't seem to keep any on. I can't seem to put any on. And so we were, we were talking and I was telling her, I was like, something is not right. And she didn't want to hear it. She turned around, walked out of the appointment and slammed the door in my face in the middle of the appointment and never came back. What? What? So do you have a a neurologist now or a doctor now that you trust and that you feel is advocating for you? I have found who I think is a good enough neurologist. Um, I found a fantastic, this is the, the only doctor that I have really, she was the one who figured out and actually diagnosed the POTS. And she, she, I think, is the only doctor thus far who has really taken the time to sit down and listen to me. Wow. wow. Do not let her go. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely God. She's going to like move somewhere. You'll just have to follow <laughs> just her. Go with her. Like, I'm going to come along right with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what does your sort of like future prognosis look like? Is there sort of like cognitive therapy that you can do to continue to improve? Is there treatment for POTS? Or so, are you, um, yeah. with cognitive therapy, I'm pretty much as good as I'm going to get, which for the most part, I am, I'm, I'm back to functioning pretty good. It's just, I, you know, I had ADHD before. It's just now it's almost like it's a little bit worse. My attention span is a little bit worse. My memory is just a little bit worse, but for the most Mm. part, I do all right. And then for POTS, a lot of it is just management stuff. So it's increasing my water intake, taking in more salt, um, because salt helps it, it bloats you. So it helps open up your blood vessels and it helps things flow a little bit easier. And then the beta blocker that I'm on, which has been like a lifesaver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a lot of it is just management stuff at this point and trying to find what my normal looks like. And did you find a lot of support on TikTok kind of with your videos? And, and did you find a community on there that can kind of relate to you? Well, I had a I had a lot of people in, you know, my comments that would say, because like I said, with the POTS, it's the most common disorder you've never heard of. Mm-hmm. So right. 
I found so many other people that had it and they would come into my comments and say, oh my gosh, I've never met anybody else who has this before. And it's like just all these people who had been diagnosed with some similar things like flocked to my comments and like found each other. It was really cool. Yeah, that That's must amazing. be the, yeah, that must be really like validating mm-hmm. and yeah. One, you know, one thing everybody sort of there's a group of people, you know, that are like, ah, TikTok is so horrible. And I think it's got its problems, but it it gives an opportunity to create such a community. I've definitely had my struggles with it, but for the most part, it's been supportive and happy. And it's given me a platform to kind of put my fundraiser out there and get it out to more people than it I would have been able to originally. So let's talk a bit about your fundraiser because you are, so you have a GoFundMe, which we'll put a link to, and it's to raise money to get a service dog, right? Yes. And so what will a service dog do for you? So um, service dogs, they're individually task trained for their handler. For me, with my memory issues, the epilepsy, the fainting, a lot of what happens with my memory is I'll forget to take my medications so they can train the dog to be able to, like, at a certain time when I'm supposed to take those medications, to actually go get the medications and bring them to me and basically pester the crap out of me until (sighs) I take them. Wow. They can, they can train the dog to do a lot for like psychiatric things because the part of my brain that I damaged, um, is involved in emotional control. So I'll get a lot of like insane mood shifts out of nowhere and I'll just get wickedly depressed out of nowhere or wickedly anxious out of nowhere. So they can train the dog to kind of recognize the things that like the certain behaviors that you have during those mood shifts and to come offer you comfort to help soothe me through like anxiety or panic attacks. And then with the seizures. So since I know the seizures are coming, I don't need seizure alert, but Mm. my dog would be trained for seizure response. So basically the dog would be able to you know, be there with me during a seizure to stimulate me by like licking me or like kind of nibbling on me a little bit. Cause that's, that's outside stimulus that could help try and interrupt the, the seizure activity and then do things for the pots so they can have the dog do, um, heart rate alert. So they, I think they do it through scent training, but I'm not too sure. So the dog is able to send certain chemicals, that your body emits when your heart rate gets above a certain point. So the dog will be able to alert me when my heart rate goes up high and basically get me to sit down and do what they call deep pressure therapy, which basically is just a fancy way of saying that the dog climbs on top of you and just lays his whole body weight on top of you. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I need that. (laughs) Well, the pressure helps with anxiety, but it also helps with circulation and again, stimulus and things like that. So how long is the process when you do end up getting a service dog? How long is the process of the training up until when you would get them? Taking out the time of raising the money. The company that I am going through is a small company. It's local to my area. And I actually, I know the owners of the company. I know the trainers. I've seen some of the dogs that they've trained. They do fantastic work and their cost Mm -hmm. is insanely low compared to pretty much every other company, but the training process is two years. 
Wow. So the first year is mostly like obedience. So they like train the dog to like perfection, basically. And then Mm -hmm. the second year is when they do the task training. And that's the thing is that you can't even like go to them and be like, okay, do you have a dog ready for me? Because they need to train it for your specific needs, right? So that they need to know what those are ahead of time. That's incredible. I've had a lot of questions like that. Like, isn't there a dog that they just have already trained they could give you? And Mm -hmm. I kind of have to be like, that's unfortunately, that's just not how it works because, you know, they, they train it specifically for you so they have yeah to there's no like there's no like and... walmart for service dogs <laughs> yeah yeah where you just go and you're like oh i need the one for pots and epilepsy yeah like, yeah yeah do you mind saying how much are you needing to raise to get a service dog it's around fifteen thousand. wow oh it just like gives me anxiety to even say that number <laughs> yeah. more money than i've ever had in my life but um yeah so the way that it works is that they take a small down payment of, I think about 2000 and they use that down payment to go out to their breeders and they have to go through breeders because they need dogs with certain genetics, certain Mm -hmm. um, like temperament tested, all that kind of thing. And then they use that down payment to get a dog from the breeder. And then it's monthly payments throughout the two year training process. Being about halfway, basically I have the down payment and the first year covered. Wow. So I'm thinking about just going ahead and signing the contract so they can get going. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'll have that first year to raise the second half of the money. Yeah. And so do you, um, I know we, we didn't talk about this, but we had said that we can't, um, say what the accident was because of legal reasons and and things that you're dealing with. But when it comes to like health insurance during all of this, did you have like pretty good health care coverage to kind of do these things? (laughs) Oh, boy! (laughs) yeah, that's my first reaction. So at the point in time that the accident happened, there was some things going on with my mom's job and she um, was they were switching around health insurance. So I was on, cause at this point I was still talking to my dad. I was on his health insurance, but mm. he lives back still in Utah where I'm from. Mm-hmm. And the insurance that he had, basically it was like Utah and Idaho select and being oh. down in Texas, his insurance didn't I mean, it covered some things because it was emergency circumstances, but it yeah. didn't cover nearly as much as we would have hoped and or needed. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because his insurance at that point in time was just, I mean, it, it was a bad situation. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Oh, so we so had hard. The hospital bills and the ambulance bills and then the rehab bills. And I swear they'll charge me just for using some toilet paper in a hospital. Ridiculous. <sighs> Who was it that we were talking to where they charge for Tylenol? They charge like yeah, $40 on, or yeah, something for Tylenol? Yeah, this upcoming week we're doing, we interviewed Hayden and he was on his parents' insurance, but it was just like preventative care. Yeah. And he said it basically only covered the $900 Tylenol that they gave at the hospital. That's and so he said crazy. it ended up being something like $1.2 million. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So during one of my seizures, I bit my lip open 
and um, lips, I guess, they tend to bleed a lot. So, yes. I mean, it wasn't shallow, but it wasn't like really deep. But we mm-hmm. couldn't tell because there was so much blood and it was like two mm-hmm. o'clock in the morning. So we went to this little tiny urgent care. It wasn't even a hospital. And all they did was just put some saline on my lip to wash out the blood and then put some numbing gel. And it was like $700. What? Oh my God. We got that in the mail and I almost like crapped my pants. Yeah. And the one ER visit that I had where I had the seizure and the nurse leaned over me and was just, you're not having a seizure. Will you calm down? You're fine. And then released me saying I had a panic attack. Yeah, that was over $1,000. I was like, so you refuse to give me rescue medication as I'm having one of the only grand mal seizures that I've ever had. You almost killed me. And you want me to pay you for it. Okay, that makes and, sense. And you and you yelled at me and treated me like crap. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Abby, thank you so much for taking time out of your Easter Sunday to be part of our podcast. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for having me. I very much enjoyed talking to the two of you. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Yeah, we we just like love meeting all these new people mm-hmm. and hearing their incredible stories. Like everybody's just so inspiring. Mm-hmm. And that sounds so cliche, but like I don't know. You just talk to everyday people that have overcome or are going through something, mm-hmm. you know, and like they're, yeah, I don't know. Still they're going. Makes you look at <laughs> a little bit differently. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's great. We will talk to you soon. Have a good day. Thank you. You guys too. Okay. Bye. 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 I will go without you. You're going to go to Ikea without me? I will. You just know what I need? Can I just give you a list? Oh, I want to go together. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, hey, Michelle. Oh, hey. <laughs> so, Abby, thank you for being on our podcast. Thank you so much for sharing your story. And you've been through so much, but you've been able to, like, advocate for yourself. And I think that's so huge. Yeah. Gotta calm down putting that phone down. I, I will not. Knocking it with your knees. Knocking it. Um. Yes. I can't imagine, and I hope I never have to like experience having to advocate for a diagnosis when I know something's wrong and I'm having things happen and nobody's listening. That's the craziest part about a lot of these stories is that it happens with everybody. Yeah. You know, mom's trying to say like, I know there's something wrong with my child. Like, please. And I understand the maybe hesitation or whatever on the side of the medical field, but also like, how many times have people proven time and time again that their instincts were right when it comes to their health or their children's health, right? So, I don't know. Like, what part of doctor school do they cover when your patient comes to you and says this? Yeah. Disregard it. Disregard it. (laughs) (laughs) The class would be disregarding 101. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. Um, You guys, if you haven't already... Check out our Patreon. Okay, yeah. Check out our Patreon. We now have over 29 bonus episodes. That's amazing. I know. Time flies. That's so many episodes. Yeah. So many episodes. Yeah. And they're a little bit of everything. And we have another one coming up next week. (laughs) (laughs) And we cover everything. We do. Including our own trauma. Yep. And we're going to have some fun stuff coming up. Yeah. We'll mix it up a little bit. And if you haven't already, and I know you haven't because I check often, oh. 
please just write us a review. God, you guys, seriously, this don't is you how love we grow. us? This is iTunes looks for reviews written. So if you've got 30 seconds, if you're still listening to this, could you please just write us a review? Yes, please. It's a we super are not, moon, and that is all I'm asking for. We're not needy, but this is what we need. Yeah. <laughs> also, I'm, I'm learning to ask for what I need. Okay, good for you. Way to way to self advocate. Thank you. What I would like, this is what I'm gonna. This is what I need. I want people when they are listening to us, take a picture, and share it to their Instagram stories and tag us. Oh, that's nice. I love seeing that. I love seeing like yeah. people listening in their I know car. Tia does or, it all the time. Yeah. Ashley sometimes does it. Um, Jordan does it. Yes. So, yeah, tag us when you're listening to our episodes. It just tickles Even our fancy. If... Ew. <laughs> okay, well, that was a little, that's a little too far, Carly. Now they're not going to do it. I just like to get my fancy they tickled. Want, they don't want to picture that. <laughs> God. Uh... Can we have a sticker that says nobody wants to tickle your fancy? Yeah. We're going to have to. I'm going to be making stickers every week. Yeah. Based on ridiculous things that we have said. Yeah. Also, also, keep an eye out for stickers. So Also, also. Also. <laughs> we are going off the rails. Yikes. We need to wrap it's this up. Super moon. Super moon. She's a real bitch. <laughs> Ooh, why gotta be nasty to her? That's true. I should be nice. Yeah. Or she's gonna be mean to us. I'm gonna have to, like, I don't know, light a candle, plug in light a some rock sage. lamp. I'm gonna sage my new apartment, my <gasps> new subterranean villa. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And you can have essential oils, too, now that you're not going to have cats. Yeah. Uh, oh, you bet I am. Oh, hells yeah. Yeah. We're talking essential eucalyptus. That... We're talking lavender. We're talking lemongrass. Some peppermint. Yes. Thieves. Mm, less crazy about thieves. I love thieves. Both the crime and the criminal. Oh, God. And the essential oil. <laughs> not a fan. Not a huge fan. Okay, okay. everyone. Have, have a good a... week. You have a good week. You. Uh... You. Okay, bye. Bye.